Last week, we started a, a bit of a Christmas series uh, that we're calling Good News of Great Joy. And, uh, and we're, we're kind of, we're, we're taking some time and really looking at just a couple verses in Luke chapter 2, the, uh, the announcement of the arrival of Jesus to some unassuming, uh, unsuspecting shepherds just working the night shift and uh, an angel and then eventually a whole host of angels show up to make this tremendous announcement. So we're taking time to just really, uh, to really consider the, the amazing announcement that the angels make. And so if you'd like to follow along, we're going to read these verses, uh, Luke chapter 2, and uh, we're just going to read verses 9 through 14. If you've got your Bible, uh, you can follow along with us. If not, we're going to throw it up on, on the, uh, the magic screen. And uh, thanks, Berkeley, for running the magic screen. Give my daughter, Berkeley, a huge hand. She's running the screen. She's running the live service. She's running like 13 things right now. She's a genius. Um, she gets that from her mother. So Luke chapter 2, verse 9, this is what it says. And an angel of the Lord uh, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be all for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Um, we talked about last week this reality that this time of year, this season, has the ability to, to heighten, um, to magnify human emotions unlike any other time of the year. It, 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 tends, it tends to kind of uh, make, it, it amplifies how we feel, and uh, it, it has the ability to shine this spotlight on our current situation. And, and make it uh, more powerful and uh, make the feelings that come along with it more potent. And so uh, for a lot of people, it is the most wonderful time of the year, and, and they smile more, and they, they get a little a pickup in their step, and everyone turns into Elf, and uh, Christmas is their favorite. And, and, but for some people, it's a difficult season, and uh, it does magnify how we're feeling, our current situation. So what happens is uh, those who feel lonely, this season feels lonelier. Uh, for those who feel stressed, uh, this season feels more stressful. Uh, for those who feel pain uh, are experiencing pain in their lives, this season tends to make it feel more painful. But uh, the beauty is, like the North Star cutting through the darkness and guiding the way is the, the glorious proclamation of this angel to all of us. And that is that uh, good news of great joy has arrived. And, and I want to focus on the word joy today. I want to I focus on that idea. Uh, there, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of mention of the word joy around Christmas. We, we read it, we see it, it's on, it's in advertising, it's uh, it's, we sing about it like this morning. Uh, it, it is everywhere, but have we ever really stopped to consider what that word really means or what, what's being said? Good news of great joy. What, what is the joy? 
that we're talking about and, and what does that truly mean and why is it so important if it, if it comes up so much around Christmas time, why? And, uh, and so what is, the, what is the importance of that word? So that's what we want to consider today, and I think this will be quite helpful for all of us. Um, if we were going to put a, a, a definition to joy, I would say we probably put it in the category of uh, the same category as happiness. Uh, it's just feeling happy. Uh, it's, it's, it's a positive emotion. It's a positive uh, feeling because uh, things are going well. Normally, we would say joy or happiness is caused by something else, something outside of us. So something or someone brings us joy, and so therefore we feel it. It is sort of a fleeting, occasional uh, emotion, positive emotion based on our uh, really good circumstances that we're going through. And so uh, there's so many things that bring varying degrees of joy. There's people, places, and things that bring us joy that we get really excited about that, that makes our hearts flutter. Uh, I, I, love, I love those things. I love those moments. I love, I love experiencing those times. Um, and there's also, if we're honest with each other, there's a lot of things that have the ability, the capability of interrupting that joy. Uh, there's things that have the ability of, of deflating joy pretty quickly. Uh, there's, have you ever been out and about and run into someone and you're like, oh, never? You guys are way better people than I am. Uh, like I'm doing good and just be bopping along and then I see somebody, I'm like, oh, I hear the sad trombone music. Um, and it's usually a mirror. See what I did? That was, okay, that's silly. That's Inception stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would say, I thought about this this week. I don't know why this popped in my head. How many of you guys are traveling by airways this uh, holiday season? Anybody flying out? Um, I, I had this thought this week. I don't know what made me think of it. But to me, joy is sort of like our relationship with an airport. And, uh, and what I mean by that is uh, we, we schedule a flight and uh, we have the best intentions and we, we really make sure that we walk through all the details, the best time to fly out, the best airline, uh, where we're going, all that stuff. We, we walk through all the details. And so we have every intention of scheduling joy. We, and that, that kind of translates over to vacations, that translates over to our hobbies and, and things that we enjoy doing. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever kind of just scheduled a, your day off just around not doing anything, but like curling up with a book and everything just stopping for a minute, good coffee, have that plan, good book, have that plan, everything's good, and then a phone call happens, you get called away, pulled away, stuff happens. So you schedule your flight, but oftentimes flights are delayed. Uh, oftentimes uh, we're late for our own flights and we miss them. A lot of times those flights are canceled. Uh, in the same way, joy, you can schedule it. You can try to make sure that it's uh, a fixture in your life, but it gets interrupted. It gets delayed. It gets canceled. You miss it. Uh, it, it just works that way. And so um, joy can oftentimes feel like a moving target. Uh, it's something that's hard to find. It's something hard to land on. And I think even in the back of our mind, best case scenario, we just think of joy as being a temporary relief, just a a momentary euphoria and, uh, and happiness. So 
why is this idea of joy so important? Well, I, I, I know that all of us, every single person desires a, a certain quality of life, a certain quality of existence. If you're going to live on this spinning rock, you might as well enjoy yourselves a little bit. And so we all want to have a, uh, a happy existence. We want to enjoy our days. We want to do, I love what First Peter chapter 3, Peter puts it this way. Uh, he, he talks about loving life and seeing good days. I love that sentiment. I think we all desire that to some degree. We want to love life and see good days. We want to smile more. That has been my New Year's resolution for the last three or four years is just to smile more often. And, uh, and that, that is not a, a fake it till you make it kind of grin and, and bear it kind of thing. I'm talking about uh, a smile coming from within, uh, being happy more often than not. And so I think we all desire that. But uh, the prophet Nehemiah goes deeper than that. And, he, and, and the prophet Nehemiah captures something that is extremely vital, an aspect of joy that, that I want to focus on today. It's an undervalued aspect of joy. And, and in fact, I would say our everyday lives, this idea never crosses our mind as it relates to trying to be happy. We never think about it in these terms. Rarely do we think about these terms. And this is in uh, the, the book of Nehemiah. And it's a very simple phrase. We've all heard it in Nehemiah 8.10. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is your strength. And so I, I, I don't know that what we, when we think about joy, I don't know that we put it in the category of strength or something that would provide endurance or stick to It's not something that we normally think about is what carries us through the tough stuff. Now, what this means, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, what that means is our definition of joy is probably a little off. It probably means that we're looking at joy from a different angle than we should be. Because we look at joy as being, again, happiness, and it's sort of temporary relief, and it's sort of a, a circumstantial uh, a, a feeling based on what's going on. Things that bring us joy are people, places, and things. It's outside of us. It's something that we're looking for. Maybe if you're doing whatever you love doing, you're sitting in front of the TV watching your favorite show, you're watching uh, your favorite team win, you're, you're watching whatever, you're listening to the music you like, you're doing the things that you like doing, you're on Amazon shopping like crazy. Uh, and the boxes show up. There's a little, there's a little like excitement. It's like Christmas morning every day when the Amazon dro- truck shows up and, and drops stuff off on the doorstep. And you're like, ah, that's, that's fun. But joy is something far deeper than that. In fact, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, what that means is it is not bound or tethered to circumstances because it's exactly what we need as we go through the tough stuff. So if joy is circumstantial, uh, it, it misses the mark because we actually need joy in order to endure the difficult moments of life. And so maybe there's more to joy than meets the eye. Here in Luke 2, the, the word joy, uh, the word that translates as joy, that we translate as the word joy, is a Greek word 
that is used throughout the New Testament. It is the word hara. And I want to show it to you. This is the word hara. Everybody say that with me. Hara. Thank you. Uh, it's, a very, it's a very powerful word. It means, we translate it as joy. Uh, it is used in different ways in different parts of the New Testament. Uh, uh, every time it's used, it has a very specific use. Uh, for example, in, in the book of Hebrews, where it says, the joy, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Uh, the word hurrah there means something very specific. It means the joy caused by you. So the joy of you, for the joy of you, Christ endured the cross. It's a very specific way that it's used. Now, when the angel of the Lord says, uh, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, the word hara used there is used in a very specific way, and it's used in a similar way as one other instance in the Bible, and it is in James chapter 1, and I want to show this to you. James chapter 1, just verse 2. This is a, the same word. I, give, I bring you good news of great joy. This is the same word used in a very similar way, and I want to show you the context. It's interesting. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it all joy. Consider it all hurrah, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. When you encounter various trials. So, the good news of great joy that is talked about by the angel of the Lord is the same joy that is talked about when James says that you should consider it joy when you face trials, when you go through tough stuff. Now, James goes on to say that it, it, it produces something. It produces perseverance. It produces the tempered steel of virtue, one translation says. It, it does something. Uh, it creates a resolve. Bad stuff does something great in us, believe it or not. In fact, uh, some of the best people that you'll ever meet, you'll find out as you hear the story, they're the people who have gone through the most. Uh, there's a friend of mine who said, never trust a man without a limp, which I, I agree with. And uh, people that have endured tough stuff, who have endured hardship, there's something about them. There's something about their integrity and their character that is something It's very different than people who have never gone through anything, who uh, feel like the world owes them something. Uh, we'd rather be around the people who have been through some stuff. So this is a conversation in James about how joy is, is, is a beautiful thing. You're taking joy in the fact that you're facing trials. You're taking joy in the fact that you're going through things because you know that this is going to pay off for you in the long run. So joy suddenly has this bigger picture than just immediacy. It's something long-term. It's something that is greater than just a temporary, immediate feeling. And that's exactly the joy that the angel of the Lord is speaking to. Now, the announcements to the shepherds, did their circumstances change immediately? I bring you good news of great joy. Did their circumstances change? Did the angel or the host of angels hand out lottery tickets? No. Did anything really change at all? For 30 years, 
before the ministry of Christ really kicked in. Not so much. Even then, you get three years of beautiful ministry, and then all of a sudden, uh, you hear that, that this, very, this very Savior that you've been banking on is on his way to a Roman cross. It's pretty devastating. So this, this joy that is, speaking, that is being spoken to, that is being spoken about, is not circumstantial. Uh, in fact, it's something far bigger and far greater. So it's speaking directly to trials in the strength that we need, that we need in order to get through them. Um, there's an interesting fact about the word hurrah in the Greek. Uh, it is actually a root of another word. It is directly tied to another word, and I'll show that word to you. This is haris. Everybody say haris. Now, the word hurrah is from this word haris, which that word means grace in the Greek. That is the word for grace. So the word joy has its roots in grace. It is directly tied to grace. Um, The source of joy, in other words, is the grace of God. It is is rooted in the uh, un- uh, unimaginable, unfair favor and love of God. And so when the angel of the Lord proclaims this, and I don't know that we really connect these dots as well as we should, when the angel of the Lord uh, declares, I bring you good news of great joy, those two ideas cannot be separated. The good news, the gospel, is the root of or the cause of the joy. The, 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 the very reason that we have joy now that we've never experienced the joy of the Lord as it's talked about in the Bible. The, the reason that we have this joy is because of the good news that Christ has come to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Because of His grace extended towards us, we experience joy everlasting. You can't separate the two. In fact, I would say this. The joy that is being spoken of, the joy of the Lord, is the fruit of the good news of Jesus Christ. The, the book of Galatians uh, chapter 5 gives us this dynamic list of fruits of the Spirit of God. And, of course, one of those fruits is joy. So what, we're, what I'm trying to do is trace the source to something beyond just circumstances and, and help us to realize that joy is not coming from people, places, or things. True joy is a gift from God. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is not fruit of our labor. It is not fruit of circumstances. It is not fruit of a relationship with someone else. It is the fruit of the Spirit, and it is something that is straight from the heart of God. James chapter 4 makes this statement. It it goes on to say that God gives grace to the humble, but it says that God gives a greater grace. And I love that term. God gives a greater grace. What that means is imagine grace, picture grace. Now, grace is, uh, a lot of times we don't necessarily have a great definition of what grace is, or we kind of mix it up with mercy. Uh, just a short 
a story to kind of explain the difference between grace and mercy. Uh, how many of you guys have ever had a speeding ticket ever? Okay. Only three people that are willing to admit it. I've had, I've had uh, two in my life. And I haven't had any since for like 20 years, which is amazing. Um, but I, I, my first one I got, I was, I was probably, uh, 18 years old and I was on my way to work. I worked at a coffee shop and, and we had to get there really early. And so I was rushing in my sweet, sweet 1988 Ford Taurus that I named Boris, Boris the Taurus. And so I'm, 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 I'm trying to get to work. Uh, there's people probably waiting outside the drive through waiting for someone to sling the coffee to them. I'm late and uh, I see the lights, which is a great feeling. And the officer pulls me over and uh, goes, do you know how fast you're going? I was like, no, I was driving with my eyes closed. Um, so I'm, I was kidding. I wasn't. So I, I, got, uh, I got a ticket. And that's a, that's a bad feeling. So it ruined my whole day. Well, later that same day, I was off of work. And I was going to volunteer at a nonprofit organization. That's how great a person I am. And uh, I had someone with me. Uh, who was riding a car with me, a friend of mine, a guy, and uh, we were riding, and, uh, and so I was talking to him, and we were goofing off, and lo and behold, I saw the lights in my rearview mirror again. Same day. So I get pulled over, and the officer walks up to my window and says, son, have you ever had a ticket before? It's like he knew, and I said, yes, sir, I have, and he said, when was that? And I said, this morning. In fact, I think it was you. <laughs> uh, and so he looks at me, he says, all right, pal. He said, listen, if I give you a ticket, he said, they're going to take your license away. Two in one day is like, they're not going to show much leniency. He said, so what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to waive your ticket, uh, let you off with a warning. Please slow down. I said, yes, sir. You got it. So that officer in that moment showed me mercy. He had mercy on my soul, because he withheld something I deserved. The mercy of God withholds what we deserve. We deserve hell, wrath, and punishment. God withholds that because he loves us. That is mercy. Now, what is grace? Imagine that officer pulled me over and said, Chris, I can't let you off with a warning. There's no way. You have to, you have, to have this ticket. And then he hands me the ticket, and then he breaks out his wallet, and he cuts a check. And out of his own wallet, out of his own income, out of his own bank account, he covers the cost of the ticket, and he takes the weight of the ticket from me and pays it himself. And so now it's not withholding what I deserve. It's giving me something I don't deserve. That's what grace is. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. That's the difference. And so when we talk about grace, what we're talking about is uh, an unfair gift, a gift that is unfairly good that in our best moments, on our best days, we could never do enough to come close to deserving what God freely gives us with no strings attached, no payment, no repayment. There's no fine print. This is the gift of God. Now, we are saved by grace through faith. It is the, the sheer magnitude of this unfair gift that God freely gives us because he loves us and no other reason but the fact he loves us. 
That is the root of joy. It is that we are, we are given eternity with the Father, even though we don't deserve it. That is the root of joy. And so when James chapter 4 says there is a deeper, there is a, there is a greater grace there is a greater grace. What he's speaking to is there's more to grace than you'll ever imagine. Because someone just being nice to you and doing something for you, that's beautiful. But there's a greater grace that no one's willing to do for you that God himself has done. And because there's a greater grace, what that means is there is a deeper joy. A greater grace means a deeper joy. And the more we consider how great the grace is, the more we, we experience a deeper, more profound joy. What this means, in short, is that their joy is not something as superficial or as temporal as we think it is. It is something that is tied to, linked to eternity. An eternal love and salvation that we enjoy. In Jesus' last evening, with his disciples, uh, we've talked about this quite a bit in the last couple months, um, this moment in time, this evening. They're approaching the probably, uh, not even probably, definitely, the most difficult moment of all of their lives. Each one of the disciples, as well as Jesus himself, they're walking to, walking straight towards the most difficult moment that any of them have ever experienced in their human lives. They're walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is inevitably going to be arrested, betrayed, arrested, crucified, and resurrected. And he encourages his disciples on the walk as they're traveling together, as they're walking towards this moment. And he's fully aware of where he's going, what's about to happen. He's trying to explain to the disciples, even though they're a bit hard-headed, over and over and over, guys, I'm going to die. No, seriously, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. He's telling them, this is it. I'm leaving you. And on the way, he speaks of this, this allegory, this beautiful picture of us being branches connected to a vine. He being the vine. So he is the vine. We are the branches. And apart from him, apart from that connection, Apart from that relationship, we bear no fruit. But because we abide in the vine, we bear much fruit. And then he speaks immediately in the same conversation as that story. He speaks to joy. And I want to share this verse with you. This is, uh, this is uh, so important to, to get our hearts around. This is John fifteen eleven. He's just shared the, the vine and the branches story. And then he says this. Uh, These things, this story, this allegory, this picture I've painted, you being the branches, I being the vine, these things I have spoken to you, I've done this so so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. I'm telling you about this. I want you to abide in me as I abide in you. I want you to connect with me. I want you to have this deep spiritual connection with me because because of that connection you get my joy and your your tank is going to overflow 
with joy. I'm going to fill up your tank beyond capacity with joy. And he uses a phrase, my joy, the joy of the Lord. That's your strength. It's not temporary happiness brought on by great circumstances. It is deep, profound, eternal joy that is straight from the heart of Jesus. He freely gives us his joy until our joy tanks are full. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. These are, these are similar ideas. It's a similar language because it's one principle. Your joy is full in the presence of the Lord. One more scripture in the same idea. Acts chapter 13, 52. This is after Jesus obviously has been resurrected. This is the, the inception of the new church, of the New Testament church, the church of Jesus Christ. This is the statement, Acts thirteen fifty two. The disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, which are probably, to some degree, synonymous because it is the joy is the fruit of the Spirit of God. And so this statement, Acts uh, 15, or 13, verse 52, this is in context in the middle of a conversation of major instigation, persecution, and oppression happening to these very disciples. So this is not joy free from trial. This is joy in the midst of it, in the midst of trial. So the angel of the Lord presents this idea. I bring you good news of great joy. It is a promise of a new source of true joy that this life desperately requires. Joy has shown up. It's not, hey, let's be happy about this. It's that joy is, has arrived in the same way that Jesus is the grace of God. Jesus is our joy. He personifies it. He is it. So the good news is that now the joy of the Lord, my joy is yours. And your joy can be made full. God is with us. Therefore, we have his joy. Emmanuel, God is with us. Therefore, we have his joy. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 30 that pain and weeping, it lasts for a night but joy comes in the morning. It's the arrival of joy, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I want to kind of put these in human terms. And uh, again, this is an analogy that came to me this week, and I apologize if it's silly, but it made sense to me. Uh, in 1996, I graduated high school, and uh, my graduation present right after I, I graduated high school, was to have uh, surgery on my jaw. I had what they call maxifacial surgery. Uh, I had an overgrowth of my lower jaw, and, uh, and so they, uh, they planned on, when I turned 18, to when my face stopped growing, 
to uh, go in and rearrange my entire face, which was awesome for an 18-year-old. So I, I, uh, I graduated. We took a little trip, got home, and started getting ready for extensive surgery and then six weeks of recovery afterwards of lots and lots of milkshakes and insure and pudding uh, and mashed potatoes because uh, I couldn't chew. Uh, the way we think of joy, in that scenario, if, if we're casting that scene, I think we, we would say joy is sort of like the anesthesia going into the surgery. We hope for moments that cause the pain to temporarily go away. Uh, for momentary um, relief from pain. So joy would be the anesthesia that we experience when we're going into surgery. Just to, just to take the pain away just for a little bit. Now, knowing full well that once the anesthesia wears off, you're in for a world of hurt. I would say this, and this is the, the, the revelation I had this week. Uh, joy is not the anesthesia in that story. Joy was, would be my parents and my family who cared for me every moment from there on. The joy would be my family bringing me home and watching after me and being with me and caring for me and walking me through the process. My family who paid for the surgery in the first place. I remember when I got home, uh, they, it was important for me to get a little exercise and walk a little bit as the anesthesia was wearing off. And so my dad took me outside just to get some fresh air. And he's standing with me as I walked around. And I felt in that moment, I couldn't talk, but I felt like a dog. And so I went over to a tree while my dad was standing there. I just went like this and uh, just, just to make him laugh. But I, I, I realized, you know, my, my mom putting things in the blender for me that is disgusting, but it was necessary and, and bringing me things and taking care of me and, and, and walking me through this entire process and making sure that every step of the way I was taken care of, that's what joy does. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, it's not temporary relief because, honestly, some stuff just really hurts. It is tough. And there's no escaping that. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have some trouble. It's going to hurt. This world hurts. It's painful. This world is disappointing. This world is, is one that will let us down continually. It's hard. It's difficult. And if, if everything would just go according to plan, maybe it would be much easier, but it rarely goes according to plan. Again, we make plans... God laughs at them. <laughs> That's an old saying. We make plans, God laughs at them. We, we, we can plan all we want, but we're not in control. But the one who is loves us more than we'll ever, ever know, cares for us more than we'll ever imagine. And what this gift of joy does for us is it gives us a bigger picture and helps us have strength to endure the tough moments. It carries us through. I used to think that joy 
would be just something kind of escapism just to forget about our problems but but overwhelming joy it it shows us it proves to us during the process that all of this is worth it that this is going to pay off for us eventually that yes this is tough though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i can fear no evil because he is with me god is with me he carries me through every step of the journey you know there's uh there's an allegory given that is uh compares the the coming of the lord and and the arrival of uh the the return of our king and and this earth groaning in anticipation uh there's the reason we feel pain the reason we feel disappointment is because we know there's something better there's something in us that craves home, that craves perfection, that craves things being made right. So the reason we get so disappointed and so sad is because we know there's something better available. And so we grieve what this temporary existence of brokenness because we're craving something greater. And what the Bible talks about is that being like um, childbirth. And in the pain of childbirth, it is, I, I have not personally experienced it. I was there and present. And, and my wife's no meds, Jenkins over here. And she's just like, yeah, she's pretending she's all tough. And through it all, I'm like, this looks painful. And I'm, I'm trying my best to be there and be present, but she's the one enduring all this. And it's tough. If you ever watch somebody else go through pain, emotional, physical, it's difficult. And in that moment, I would say, God, give that to me. Let me have it. Uh, Because I'd rather go through it than watch someone else go through it. It's tough. It's difficult. But the promise of the strength of joy through that is that at the other end of this, at the other side of this, once this is through, it's going to be all worth it. And once we held our daughter... I, I can honestly say, I can speak for my wife in saying this, every painful moment was well worth it. Because, look, look at this. Look what God has done. That's exactly what's happening in our hearts and our lives. And what we, what we require is exactly what the angel of the Lord promises. We require joy. The joy of the Lord is not temporary elation. It's not temporary happiness. The joy of the Lord is, is a revelation and a confidence in the big picture that this is all going to be worth it. And God's not leaving us in the process. That's why joy is rooted, rooted in grace. Because grace is the promise that we get what we don't deserve. That this is beautiful and it's paradise and it's eternity. It's eternity with the Father. And we're going to be with him where there's no more pain, no more tears, no more disappointment. Just the best that we could possibly imagine. More, better than that. The big picture is that God is going to work all things out for our good. And there's joy in that. There's joy in being thankful uh, that this too shall pass, and God, you're doing something within me through the whole process. And so this is my prayer. I want to end with this. This is a, a prayer 
that I believe is for us in this moment. And uh, you find this in Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 13. And I think this is exactly the intention of the Apostle Paul. This is a prayer for all of us. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for us uh, during this season, during the next season, and through every tough situation that we face as human beings.